Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we will focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Ampalo and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This is episode four. Today we're going to discuss smart habits for following up with leads or potential clients. This is a topic we know that other translators find important, but it's also a bit nerve-wracking. There's always this possibility that a client may say no about a pitch or about a quote we send them for our services, but that's no reason to avoid the habit of following up. Right. That's why today we're going to mention several strategies and tips for following up with leads so that you can feel good about your pitch as well as the way you handle client follow-ups. Veronica, how do you feel about the process of following up with clients? Are you consistent with your follow-ups or do you tend to avoid them or let them slip? I feel that when I stay consistent, it really becomes a routine. But if I um, like let it slip for a while, it's, it, it can get nerve-wracking, really, even, in a, even if you've done it many times before, right? Because you always kind of right. start doubting yourself or like, do, do they really want to hear back from me? Or So I try to stay organized about it, um, but I must admit that I'm not a perfect example. <laughs> As a rule of thumb, um, if a client hasn't responded to two of my emails, whether with a quote, a proposal, or a request for testimonials, I tend to drop it, mostly because I personally don't like pesky salesmen and I don't want to appear like one. Yeah. So um, quite often I get an email back from clients after I followed up saying, oh, thank you for the reminder, you know, I was busy or it slipped my mind. Or... And then I remember that sometimes, I mean, we're all just people, right? So I, I remember that sometimes people don't answer because they're busy and they truly appreciate a gentle reminder as long as it's not pushy Um, and it's not like they cringe at the sight of an email from me (laughs) do you get in your own head like this sometimes yeah sometimes but for me it's more along the lines of I don't really want to do it that task you know like following up it's and it could be for all of the reasons that you mentioned I just don't really want to take the time to follow up sometimes especially if I have even an inkling of a feeling that the client is not really very serious or that maybe my, my rate is just too high for them or something. And that's not a good habit to get into because then I'll put it off and put it off for, you know, as long as I can until it finally comes around where I'm like, I just need to get this done. But, you know, I found that a good way for me to bypass that, you know, even thinking about it and feeling um, that way is just to schedule when I'm going to follow up. So as soon as I, you know, send them that first quote or pitch or whatever email, then I'll schedule that follow-up right away on my calendar between, I'd say about 10 days at the most later, mm-hmm. um, right after my first interaction with them. So I know that if I do this, there's less of a chance that I'll forget about it, first of all. And then also it takes the guesswork out of, of saying like, okay, when am I going to do this? Because, yeah. you know, when you let it go for too long, then it can become a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. But you're right. People are never rude or 
you know, annoyed that you followed up. And a lot of people are very appreciative when you do follow up because it's probably still important to them, but there may be something else that came up that, you know, distracted them. So have you ever experienced um, putting off following up to? Yes, yes, for sure. I find that it mostly happens after I pitch my services or, you know, I've maybe mm-hmm. sent out a warm email or even a cold email or any sort of pitch to a potential client. I tend to procrastinate more about following up uh, versus like when people contact me for my services and they ask for a quote or they want mm-hmm. to hear more about my services, then I tend to follow up you know, in a very organized manner. <laughs> so there's definitely an imbalance there. I also find it, um, I find that it happens after I deliver a job and want to ask a client for a testimonial or a review. And if it's an official document they need to apply for, say, a visa or a document they need for a business meeting, I like to wait a week or so and then ask them if everything went well and if their counterparts were happy with their translation because it's, mm. it's kind of, you know, instances where, when, when they need it for someone else, like for some authority or for, for a business mm-hmm. partner, say. And I found that most often one or two weeks is too late and people already passed that and they can hardly yeah. remember who you are. Um, there are some exceptions, of course, and I've had clients who I still stay in touch with randomly, you know, just because they wanted some, some sort of advice or whatever. And we're still in touch even months after I delivered a job for them. And I keep referring friends or, or colleagues to me, but I learned that I need to follow up much sooner than that because mostly yeah. people need like a shorter time frame for that. But then there's this dilemma. Do I want their feedback on the process of working with me, which they can share right away or on the quality of my work and how it helped them, which may happen sometime after I delivered uh, my translation. So, so that's, that's always a question. And then one trick I use to make this habit um, stick better for myself is to create a task in Asana or Trello, you know, one of one of these productivity um, apps or tools. Um, and then it allows me to link it to my calendar and then I get a reminder um, in my email or in my phone when it's time to follow up. I'm still experimenting with this because I can't find um, which option works better for me, whether to like create a new project for each client or a job with all the stages and tasks, including the follow-up stage, um, or the option where I have just a separate project for all the follow-up tasks for all the clients that I have. I also like to make sure that I schedule sending thank you notes to colleagues who referred clients to me or helped me with research or anything else related to my work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like the I, those ideas, um, sort of similar to mine about scheduling. So it may seem like a small thing. I do the same thing. Um, I use Asana, you know that. And yeah. anybody who uh, may have heard about my presentation last year at the American yes. Translators Association Conference, I talked all about how I use Asana in my business. I use the free version, but what I do is I've got a whole project set up well, I have a, a project set up about clients. And so I have two subsections of that. And one of them is current clients where I, I make sure I have all the information about their projects that are ongoing. And then I also have one section that's about potential clients. Mm-hmm. So when somebody contacts me or, or I reach out to somebody, I go ahead and put the name of you know the client there. And then I assign a task to myself immediately for like five to 10 days out uh, to follow up with them. So that's the way yeah. I do it. Um, but that's similar to your your setup. So anyway, one of the first things to do uh, is to find a way to follow up with your leads, decide what you are going to say or share. So uh, like Veronica said, a good way to do that 
well, in this case, it's not a lead, right? If you've worked with a client before, you're following mm -hmm. up maybe with, um, you know, by saying, oh, you'd like some feedback or something. But in this case, I'm talking about clients maybe that you haven't worked with before. Um, so a lead would be, you know, what, what I would call it, but an, yeah. you could call it, you know, a potential client. So there are, I think there are a couple of handy habits for follow-ups um, uh, to do this. You could, you know, reach out to a client, maybe send, like you said, send a warm email, somebody that you're interested in working with that you know might be able to use your services. And then as soon as you hit send, this is what I, I've done and it works well, set, um, sign up for and set a Google alert on that client. Mm -hmm. So this is um, a free a free tool, Google alerts. Um, it's easy to use. If I can do it, I think anybody can do it. Um, <laughs> so you put in the client's name or you put in the company name, if it's a company or organization. And that way, when any news or like information, like a press release or something is sent out about them, maybe a, an award they've received or something that their company has done, or maybe they got a promotion or who knows what, um, and you can do this with your current clients too. It's actually an excellent idea. Mm -hmm. um, you'll get an alert in your email. It'll send you an alert um, uh, email in and of itself, and it'll give you the direct link to where that piece of information is. So instead of sending an email back to somebody um, as a follow-up that says, you know, did you get my email? Did you get my quote? <laughs> you can say something like, um, you know, I reached out to you, but then I realized that you just won this great award. So congratulations. And, you know, something like that yeah. um, tends to be a little bit nicer than this is my, you know, fourth email to you to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to see if you're interested in working with me. Because first of all, it's, those are awkward emails, right? Yeah. And secondly, nobody likes to send or receive those, um, <laughs> I think. And I've received those before. Um, so yeah, it's, this just gives you some kind of substance to say. So when you're reaching out to somebody, you can kind of, you know, use that bit of news and it shows that you're paying attention because especially if it's recent and that's what Google alerts are for, right? They yeah. alert you to the most recent information about them. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really smart way to follow up with somebody because it gives you something to say other than just, you know, uh, I'm following up with you to see if you're interested in working together. Yeah, um, and so another thing you can do, uh, another ha habit that I have is I'll set a task for myself. If I can't do it right away, I'll set a task for myself to look for maybe an article or some piece of content online um, that's already written. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be writing it. Um, but, but that I think that that client might find useful in their work. So these could be things like, um, maybe something similar to what they work on, uh, maybe something that they may have mentioned was an interest to them mm -hmm. or that you could have deduced just by talking to them. Um, it's always good to have a way to follow up with people so that you don't sound in this case too eager or, or even for lack of a better word, desperate. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's true. You need to follow up, right? That's how we keep marketing our businesses. And, and um, But I personally, I, I get those emails where people are trying to sell me something or they call or email me every week. Yeah. Uh, I just got one today, actually. And it, they said, you know, like, uh, I don't want to bug you, but I reached out to you, you know, on such and such date or 10 days ago or something like that. Yeah. Very, It was very much a, a template type mm -hmm. of um, like email, but it was like, you know, this is my third attempt. It is very awkward and annoying, I think. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have much to say, or you can tell they don't know much about my business because what they're offering me is something I would never use, for example. Mm -hmm. So my habits are to try to find things that are useful to people and also to set those Google alerts, um, just to have something to say other than, 
hey, I'm following up with you or just yeah. reaching out. Those are, you know, those <laughs> key phrases that people seem to use a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Google alert tip. I'm going to, um, to try and do that or well, not try. I actually set up a few, um, you know, since we talked last, I set up a few Google alerts for some of the clients I work with. Oh, um, yeah. So that's, that's a great tip. And I love the idea of offering something of substance or value um, to your clients, either potential clients or clients you regularly work for, even clients you worked in the past and you loved working with them and you just want to, you know, stay top of mind or remind them about your, your services. I actually did that a few times this year uh, where I went to maybe a conference or attended a webinar um, and, and it was something of interest to, to companies I worked with in the past and I would like to um, remind them of myself. So I, I sent them a quick recap or maybe some links or uh, like a summary of this presentation that I attended and it just shows that I care and I remember what they do and what they're interested in and it was yeah. always received very warmly. And they were appreciative. Yes. So I think it's it's a, it's a good strategy. Um, yeah. So I've also seen better success rate with emails that bring something of interest to the table rather than constant reminders. And for my emails, I like setting up some canned responses or templates and words. So mm. it takes the stress out of the act, you know, of, of sending that or preparing that. It's already drafted. I know that when it's time to follow up, I don't have to come up with a whole thing or just start doubting myself. I can just modify and personalize, personalize them. Another thing that I like to do is to send postcards or LinkedIn messages instead of emails. Cause just cause it's different. Um, I feel like mm. everyone's inboxes, the email um, gets uh, just <laughs> overflowing with, with emails from all, yeah. all sorts of people and companies. Uh, but we all like to get something nice in the mail. And if it's uh, a nice postcard referring to the last time you met or spoke and maybe That's some, even, even if it, um, some of us I know have um, certain resources that we develop for clients. It could be an ebook or an article that, that we wrote. You could also like print that out and send it um, by mail. Mm -hmm. And also LinkedIn messages are nice. I feel for certain types of follow-ups because they don't just um, like get buried in people's mailboxes and they seem more relaxed and conversational than an email. And if both you and the recipients have enabled red receipts in their LinkedIn settings, um, you can see the message was read and that gives you an idea mm -hmm. like if, if you see it was read, but they never answered, well, that's kind of an indicator, right? <laughs> and some of my individual clients or small businesses, um, especially if they're based in Russia, they like to use uh, WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. And you can see if the recipient has read your message there too which is also a useful indicator. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was going to ask you though, about the postcards. Sorry, I, sure. I, I'm totally interested in the postcards. So do you send one with like your business information on it or do you send one that's like a local, like a local postcard of a, of a place see. that's near you or yeah. one that's maybe about Russia or what, what do you do? So I made my own, uh, I call them marketing postcards. I, and I printed, I, I designed them myself on Canva and I printed oh, them nice. through Canva and they have my logo and they have, they're kind of in the same theme or style as my website and, and my business card. And they have yes. just a kind of a slogan or uh, like a promotional phrase about the services that I do. And I have a few sets. I have one set that's um, you know, directed at human resources professionals and another one, which is more 
uh, like social responsibility, environmental protection type of thing, um, and one for official documents translation. So um, I just send, I just, you know, and they have, um, they're blank on the other side. So I have my information, my website, quick sentence at the front with my logo. And then at the back, I can just write something myself, like say, it was nice meeting you at this conference and I enjoy talking to you about so-and-so and I -and -so uh, hope we can connect or something. Um, That's nice. Cause yeah. those are easy to, to see in the mail. Yes. I don't know about you, but when you get like a stack of envelopes, I mean, I usually try to go through my mail rather quickly, but mm -hmm. If it's a bunch of envelopes that all look similar, I try to do it all at once rather than yes. opening just one. But if it catches your eye like that, and they don't even have to actually open it. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's just a postcard. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, if, um, if I can, um, with clients I haven't heard from in a while, I like to time my card or my email so that I have an opportunity to wish them, say, a happy summer or happy holidays. And that just adds a personal touch and um, kind of a, is an excuse in and of itself to contact people. And it doesn't leave them feeling that I'm just annoying them or, or trying to, to remind them of myself, but kind of like, hey, I know you're, you're going on vacation soon. I wanted to wish you a happy summer or something. Or so do you, yeah. Do you do that with just your current clients or do you do that with leads too? I mostly do it with current clients, but I did it a few times with leads just uh -huh. um, before the Christmas holidays and the New Year's holidays. Um, last did it year. work? Did it work? Yeah, with yes, I got I got emails back from people oh. saying thank you. It was really nice of you, and I didn't send them anything, just just that right. card, you know. But it was still nice that they kind of noticed, and they spent two minutes sending yeah, me they an email. Took the time. Yeah, right. yeah. So I think that following up can become easier if you um, just develop like a variety of strategies or tools that kind of take the stress away from it and, and mm -hmm. give you some some excuses or some like opportunities to say something of sub substance or wish them happy holidays or whatever. So just, okay. yeah, like something they may appreciate even on a human level or something that is of value for their business, mm -hmm. like a printed brochure. I feel like a lot of clients are even appreciative if you're sending out an email they really appreciate even the link to the ata getting it right guide like mm -hmm. you, you know whether they told you thank you for your offer uh we may contact you in the future if, if we need your services you can still follow up and say you know thank you and um if you want more information about this here's the ata guide to buying translation services or interpreting services mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that can be of use yeah. to you yeah, so you don't actually have to create everything yourself yeah. if you don't want to. There are there are some things out there that you can you can look to your associations for as well. I like that. Right. Yeah, those are great habits. Um, and a lot of them, we need to make a list of these. <laughs> yeah. sure um, so now let's talk about how to make following up a frequent habit. Um, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the beginning when it comes to scheduling. But um, how often should we follow up and how soon is too soon? So... I have sort of a framework for this that I mentioned in the beginning, at least the beginning of my framework there. Um, as soon as I, if I'm maybe pitching to a, a, a lead, a client, um, what I'll do is um, I'll schedule immediately when I'm going to follow up with them. And that means if I haven't already heard back from them, like if they didn't respond to me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and typically I do that between five and 10 days later. Um, it kind of depends on who it is in the situation. If it's yeah. a, like a project manager, um, for an agency or something, I think five days is, is fine. Yeah. But if it's a direct client, I, for some reason, I, t I tend to give them a little bit more time yeah. um, to get around to my email. You know, project managers, they, they pretty much know 
quickly if if somebody's going to be maybe a decent fit for them or they need a certain language that they're looking mm-hmm. for. So it also depends on the project, you know, uh, itself. If if there is a potential project in place, then you probably want to follow up sooner than 10 days, right? If you're sending a warm email when there is no project in place yet, then I think leaving a little bit more time is, of course, fine. But if there is a potential project in place, you don't want to wait that long. Um, <laughs> just yeah. a little aside here, I often... Uh, hire translators to work with us because mm-hmm. um, I have a small agency, as a lot of people listening know. And it's amazing to me sometimes how late translators will follow up on a project that is being at, requested of them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we, um, even if it's somebody we've worked with before, uh, you know, even an email to say, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy, or I can't take this, or I'm on vacation, but sometimes we'll get an email back like, three weeks later from somebody saying, yeah, I'm ready. Just send it to me when you're ready. And I'm thinking, this was already <laughs> delivered. And, and, you know, there's no way we could wait three weeks just to hear from somebody in the first wow. place. So, yeah. I mean, really think about the responsiveness. Um, now, you know, for the most part, people are very responsive um, translators, but when it comes to clients asking you to actually work on a project, it's, it's, you don't have to get back to them in five minutes, but if you wait, you know, 10 days or so, that's not smart. Um, you'll definitely, they'll find somebody else. So I would say, uh, after the, if I'm sending somebody an email and I've never worked with them before, because that's kind of the basis of what we're talking about today. So if it's for a lead or if they've even reached out to me first, what I'll do is I'll schedule that first follow-up and then, um, I will schedule a second one. So if I haven't heard back from them after the first email and the first follow-up, then I'll schedule one more. And um, I, I talked this over with a colleague once and we went back and forth about how long to wait in between the two um, follow-ups. Cause you know, after two or three, it's like yeah. you don't want to waste much more time, which is what you were saying earlier. Right. And so I think, you know, some people tend to follow up more frequently, uh, but I tend to give it about the same time between follow-ups, between five and 10 days. It really just depends on what it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like you said, you don't want them to forget about yeah. you, if they have even already talked to you, of course. But you also have to give people some some grace too, to give, give them time to get back to you. Cause even if somebody doesn't have an auto response on their email, it doesn't mean that they're not out of the office. That does happen sometimes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So what about you? How often do you follow up and what kind of habits do you have around the frequency of following up leads? Well, as a rule of thumb, um, I stopped following up after I would say two or three attempts. Um, it may be sooner or later, just depending on each particular case, um, as you mentioned too, and whether um, the client indicated any particular timeline. Um, I feel that uh, with direct clients, if if it's a company, I feel that once every two weeks is okay, as long as they didn't mention a particular timeline or we it never came up or, or something like if they contacted me right if it's me contacting them um in form of a pitch yeah i feel like once every two weeks is okay with agency clients i'd say once a week is acceptable if i am uh, trying to become one of their translators if they have contacted me i follow up way faster and i think right. that um it's important too because some projects um you know they may be really urgent and they may need someone right away and the sooner you answer the better it is but also like some projects are urgent but then something happens and they they take a few weeks to really materialize and it's important to just stay top of mind 
with with a client with like individual clients um you know people contacting me for their official document translations or really like small business owners i also feel that you need to follow up pretty quickly like maybe the day after as customers when we try to hire someone say a photographer or a graphic designer Mm -hmm. or any other kind of uh, service provider we also appreciate when they when they reply pretty quickly, right? And maybe even follow yeah. up after, after their quote and not come back, you know, a week later saying, oh yeah, what do you think about my quote? And you've yes. already hired someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting too, because when you were talking about that, it reminded me that when a client does follow up, but they're not quite ready yet, that doesn't mean that we should stop the conversation. Yeah. Uh, I have had some really fruitful results from following up with clients who are open to keeping the conversation going like they don't find the following up to be um, annoying at all obviously Mm -hmm. and they do want to continue the conversation they just might not be ready yet to begin i i can think of one right now one of my biggest clients it took me a year and a half of um conversations with them before i started working on on projects for them consistently and they're now one of the biggest if not the biggest client i have um, and it was just a matter of they needed to get everything in place. And they're a rad, rather large company, direct client. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple people involved. And, and you know, sometimes yeah. it's not just one person making decisions that exactly. you're dealing with. So it, it does pay to be consistent, especially if they are responsive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Um, so anyway, so let's talk for just a minute about Uh, what we sort of touched on in our previous episode related to conferences. So what are your thoughts about following up with potential clients that you meet at a conference? Conference is a very busy and stressful time for everyone involved. So I like Mm -hmm. to give the people I have met at a conference, I like to give them some time to catch their breath and just handle their to-do list when they come back to work. So I would say not sooner than a week after the conference. Um, And I, also know that from my own experience, when I worked um, in, in, worked in, the, in the corporate world, I often represented um, the company at conferences and, and trade shows. And it's really that one, that first week after the event is really busy because you're just mm-hmm. going back to work and there's so much to do and catch up on. Um, but when I do follow up, I like to remind um, how and where we met, maybe what we talked about. Because uh, not everyone is good about like remembering all the people they, they met and talked yeah. to at the conference. And if possible, you know, if there's something particular we talked about, I like to send them a link or an article that relates to the topic of our conversation. Um, again, I've had good uh, response with following up by, by mail, um, like marketing postcards with a personalized note um, at the back. Mm-hmm. And connecting on LinkedIn or Twitter uh, is okay right away, I would say, especially while people are still in that networking mood. And some people I met at conferences this year added me to their LinkedIn network the same day we met. Like it was, you know, an hour after I got back home after the conference, I saw they sent me like a request to reply to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and if connecting on LinkedIn, I like to check if we have any connections in common. Um, and if it's relevant, I just comment on the fact that, oh, we both, we both know these people if we're in the same, if they're in the same industry or in the same, you know, professional field. And maybe mm-hmm. I mention how I know them, um, again, just depending on each particular case um, and if, uh, if they work in the same professional field. Uh, mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I, I sort of do something similar as to what you do. Um, after a conference, 
I don't tend to email the person immediately the, the Monday after or anything like that for multiple reasons. One, I wouldn't want to receive an email that quickly after I, I'll be catching up on my inbox, right, from the week that I was gone. Um, and so their email would be one of the last things I would, you know, get back to. So I yeah. try not to do that to other people. But also something to think about is that if the conference was maybe in um, like a desirable place or something, some people use that time to then take a vacation the week after, yes. or they take off the week after just because they're so tired. Yeah. Or at least a weekend, right? Yes. And so um, I think giving people around a week is, is good. That way they can get, you know, reacclimated to everything. They can, you know, get their inbox back in, in, mm. in shape and everything. So yeah, I tend to give it about a um a week, slightly longer, I think. Again, it depends on the conversation. If it was somebody who seemed very interested, I'll do something like you and I'll send them um, some information. It might be a blog post they've written or, um, you know, based on what we talked about or it could be something else. Or if I'm, sometimes it's it's just a, um, if I'm going to make a connection with them and somebody else, it might not even be a potential client yet. But sometimes you know people that, that could be of service or help to them. And so just being valuable in that way by making mm -hmm. connections can sometimes take you very far yeah. because people will appreciate that and they'll remember it. Um, so I do try to do a little bit of connecting to people after or connecting different people afterwards um, after a conference. So, yeah. 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 I wanted to mention though, for people listening that if you'd like to listen to the episode about conference habits, we discussed this topic in episode three, which was released on October 17th. And we mentioned habits related to pre-conference preparation, um, how to make the most of your conference experience, as well as some habits for after the conference. So let's see, I was going to kind of do a recap of mm -hmm. what we've talked about today. Um, some great habits here for uh, following up with leads. And of course, with even with current clients, maybe if they reached out to you with something new or you want to reach out to them again, if, if you haven't heard from them in a while, you know, I've, I've found that that's also very effective. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one good habit would be going ahead as soon as you send an email to somebody, maybe you're, um, that you've never worked with is to schedule uh, your follow-ups, maybe two at the most afterwards. And if they haven't answered that, you could probably send one more or just, you know, move on to somebody else. Let's see, what else did we talk about? Oh, looking for content for potential clients that might be useful to them, setting up Google alerts and things like that so that you mm -hmm. have something substantial to say when you follow up with them. Uh, the idea of sending them something different, like a postcard or a LinkedIn message to follow up or even, even just connecting with them on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but I would add to that, do so with a note and not yes. just uh, hit the connection button. Make sure oh. that you fill in the note um, yeah. and remind them who you are. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so just various ways of following up, but just try to take, I think the biggest takeaway is just to try to take out the, the feeling from it and not think too much about it because people really don't mind being followed up with as long as you are friendly and you're not overdoing it. I think that people are very happy to have, you know, um, potential translators follow up with them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there's so many different methods and, and, and strategies you can apply. And I'm sure that everyone can find one that fits their personal preferences and style and the occasion, yes. of course. Yes. 
So we hope that this episode has given you some good ideas and habits you can practice when it comes to following up with clients. If you happen to give any of them a try, please let us know. Send us an email at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. And now it's time for one of our special segments. Uh, today's segment, we're going to do a, a smart habits check-in. A smart habits check-in is where we track our progress on new habits or goals that we may have set in a previous episode. So Veronica, what is your habit that you've been working on? Okay, so I actually uh, tried one of the strategies we discussed um, in our previous episodes, um, and I'm happy to report back that I, uh, you know, tried that uh, thing where you write down your failures, <laughs> a tip that we covered oh. in um, episode two um, about imposter syndrome, um, which I kind of hesitated to do for a while, even though I've heard about it so much. Um, but I wrote down, you know, situations or instances just this year when I felt that I underperformed, just focusing on the big stuff, of course, but mm -hmm. you know, what's big for me can be small for someone else. It's, it's kind of a subjective feeling. Um, but I must say that it seemed daunting and counterintuitive at first, focusing on the bad stuff, but it wasn't upsetting or discouraging um, as I initially thought. And for each thing that I put on that list, I was able to come up with a strategy to avoid that in the future. So it was really an exercise in personal growth. Um, and I'd recommend everyone to try it. At the very least, um, I felt that it helped um, to help stop that I'm not good enough because narrative and just focus on concrete situations where something went wrong. And it's not always your fault, <laughs> but there's usually something you, you could have done about it. Um, and just focus on some specific things you can do in the future to not let that happen again. Oh, I like that. And did it feel awkward when you were writing that down? Yes, it felt awkward in the beginning. Like I want to say those, you know, first five um, sentences or, or, yeah. or something like it just felt like I was like, is, is this right? Like, why am I because everyone says focus on the positive, you know, <laughs> yeah. and but uh, I was like, No, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna give it a try. And it worked out well. Yeah. Well, and that's what they say is that you learn from what we call yes. failure. So yes. even if it's not a failure to somebody else, I mean, we, yeah. that's when we learn from things. So I think that that's excellent. Okay. Yeah. So um, my smart habits check-in is actually an idea I got from you. Um, it is uh, related to your, one of your, I think you've given two now post-it note um, habits. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> this one is perfect for me because I tend to be somebody with a lot of ideas. And sometimes I think, that I have to do everything that I think of and that's just not feasible. So mm -hmm. what I try to do um, now is based on your suggestion is to take like a legal pad or something yeah. and uh, use post-it notes to maybe get those ideas down on paper and stick it to the note, um, mm -hmm. the legal pad. And at the end of the week, take a look and see if I'm still excited about those ideas. And if so, they stay. And if not, they go in the trash, but I kind of want to do it on a larger scale now. Yes. <laughs> One, because yeah. I have, uh, just too many ideas. But the other reason is because um, I kind of like having it more visible. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's on my desk, so I it's fine. It's there. But I think, you know, having maybe one of those um, whiteboard things on the mm -hmm. wall, maybe like not a big one, but, you know, something substantial um, to put it and then those can easily be taken down. So I'll have to try that. But yeah, yeah I, I love that mm -hmm. idea. 
Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I tried the larger size last year. I had like a poster board where, and I even grouped them. Like, I think I had like four sections. I had personal, professional, um, I think like development and then something, financial, I think, or something like different, there were different uh, topics or different sections. And I would just like stick the post-it notes depending um, on where it belongs. But then I thought, well, I want to like have it just next to me. And so this year I'm doing the legal pad, but I must say that there are certain times throughout the year where it just gets really crowded there. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, but I really like uh, the fact that at a certain point in time, you can just look back at it and say, oh, I can take like five days off because they're, I don't, I'm not really excited about them anymore or they're irrelevant or mm-hmm. I kind of did that already or something, you know? So that's always right. a nice bonus. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So we have developed a set of email templates for following up with leads um, to just make this process easier. So if you sign up for our emails at smarthabitsfortranslators.com, you will get that email. We'll send it out on November 12th. That's it for this week's episode. Join us again on November 19th when we'll share some smart habits for reading more when you're not working and how it can help you become a better translator. Talk to you then. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered a simple strategy that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover on this podcast, please record a quick voice message and email it to us at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts and please share the podcast with other translators you know.